Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. James chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13. And I know that Res Church has been going through a uh, season of prayer and fasting leading up to the election and obviously going to continue to encourage you guys to do that, to keep praying, to keep fasting as uh, Tuesday rolls around. I also want to let you know that my wife, uh, she sends her love. And so uh, my wife and two kids, her mom's birthday is today, but uh, so she's up there in Albany, but she does send her love down here, so... All right, here we go. You guys ready? All right. James chapter 5, picking up in verse 13. If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praise. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of our Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we just thank you uh, for an opportunity to be able to gather in Brooklyn, New York. God, I thank you for what you are doing here at Res Church, what you are going to continue to do. Father, as everyone has been crying out, we do just ask for an awakening of your church around the globe, God, an awakening of your church to rise up for such a time as this, to preach with boldness the truth of the gospel, Father, to extend love and mercy and compassion where it is needed, Father. But God, we just ask for your spirit to just come today as we dive in, Lord. As as I always pray, Father, I just get out of the way, let your gospel go forth, and let your will be done in Jesus' name. And everybody says... Amen. So I don't know about you guys. Do we have any iPhone lovers in here? Yep, a few of you. Any Android lovers? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's more exciting, the iPhone. iPhone lovers, anyone? Anyone just not like technology? Yes. Come on, I'm with you. Um, I, know, I know Apple just did their presentation a few weeks ago about the new iPhone 12 coming out. The iPhone 12 mini starts at $729 for a telephone. And then you've got the iPhone 12 Pro for $1299. I'm sure some of you guys have already pre-ordered it. Has anyone pre-ordered it? Yes, no, no one's like, I don't want to raise my hand. Where is this going right now? I've kind of learned to just hold on to my phone until it starts to break or until I shatter the glass or um, until, you know, the battery just starts dying all the time because Apple drains your battery automatically trying to get you to buy something new. But one of the things I've learned about a telephone, as much as I love my cell phone, as, as much as I love Google Maps and, and iPhone Maps or, or Apple Maps, as much as I love Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that, that social media stuff, the iPhone is only good if it's plugged in 
and if it has a signal. And I've got T-Mobile, and so I don't know how T-Mobile is down in the city, but T-Mobile in Albany, New York, it's like you're driving in downtown Albany and you just drop calls left and right. And I'm just like, all right, like I pay these people $200 a month and I can't talk on the telephone in the capital of New York. Like what is going on? But it doesn't matter how much I love my phone, how tech savvy I am, how great I am with my phone, if the battery dies, it's not gonna turn on. And if I go out of range and I don't have a signal, I'm not gonna be able to call my wife or my kids. I, I often think in the season of prayer that Res Church is currently in, and ultimately in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we are the iPhone and the source is Jesus Christ. And if we are not continuously plugged into the source, the word of God, and listening and attentive to the spirit of God, the signal that is coming down, we are just walking around as dead people whenever Christ called us to live a life and a life more abundantly, a life of relationship, a life of prayer, a life of fasting. I think I said it a month ago, but it isn't if um, you fast and pray, it is when you fast and pray. And far too often, churches and Christians, we walk around and we take this idea of prayer and fasting and intercession and getting connected to the Word of God, and we put a big if in front of it. If I decide to do it, if I, and Jesus is like, no, I've invited you to commune with me. I've invited you to commune. That means to have a relationship with me. All the married people in here, you would completely understand how horrible your relationship with your spouse would be if you came home and it was a transactional relationship. You only talked to him or to her whenever you needed something, and outside of that, there was no dialogue. That would be, there would be an emotional disconnection there. You would be friends at best living in the same house. But God calls your relationship to be intimate and to be romantic and to commune with your spouse. The same thing is true in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We are to commune. It is an invitation for us to commune with God. I think sometimes people look at prayer as it being doctrinal, and it isn't just doctrinal. Yes, we need sound doctrine, but it's also experiential. God wants to bring us into an experience with him. And then sometimes we look at prayer as it being just a duty, when in reality it is a delight and a gift that God has given us, given the people of God to commune with our Heavenly Father. I grew up in the Bible Belt. I grew up in Southeast Texas, in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, actually, I grew up in this small town called Orange, Texas, uh, and I was telling some of the team that it's like the worst place in America. Like, it's just depressing, it's swampy, it's hot, it's humid. We have alligators, we have water moccasins, um, it's always hot, it's always rainy, and on top of that, there's just oil refineries everywhere. I used to, to teach drum lessons at one of the high schools, and literally, you go outside of the high school and 50 feet away is ExxonMobil. And it's like, this is, where, this is where I grew up. Where am I going with that? One of the things I learned about being in the South in the Bible Belt is that people had this idea of American Christianity is attending church and having some kind of moralistic standard and leaving it at that. 
And if that is our version of Christianity, we are missing the point of the gospel. We are missing the point of being brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be living with him, to be talking with him, to be communing with him, to be experiencing this heavenly father through Jesus Christ. So James, the brother of Jesus, writes this letter to the church. And whenever he writes this letter, he's addressing the persecution that's taking place. He's addressing the issues that are going on. And I don't know about you, but every time I read the book of James, it's like I'm being slapped in the face by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. I can read this book until the day I die every day, and I'm going to be brought to a place of conviction because of how James, the brother of Jesus, wrote it to the, to the audience. And, and so here we are, we read, and he's, he's summing up this letter, and he says this whole um, section about faith. He says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone among you is cheerful, let him sing praises. So he's saying, I want you to be continuously praying or continuously to be praising I want you to take this idea of suffering and I want you to pray through the storm and I want you to take the idea of you being cheerful and I want you to give God all honor and praise. The point is get your eyes, get your heart, get your attitude, get your mind and your perception focused on the goodness of God. I want you to continuously be praying. D.A. Carson he, um, he had a book that came out in, in the Gospel Coalition. They, they released, if you're taking notes, this is where you can start taking notes. But they, they released an article a few years ago uh, called Eight Lessons on Prayer from D.A. Carson. I just want to kind of go through these real quick. Uh, number one is plan to pray. Plan to pray. Um, I know for my family, times get crazy. We've got little kids. They run around the house. Uh, I mean, you never know what you're going to walk into whenever you walk downstairs in the morning with the dogs, the trash everywhere. Um, pray for us. But I know that if I don't want to, um, my wife, let's just put it this way. My wife is not the type of person that is very spontaneous in things. She likes a plan. Like if this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing, this is what was said. And she gives grace whenever things do happen. But I can't go to my wife at 6 o'clock in the evening and say, honey, let's have a date night in 30 minutes. We have to plan it out sometimes weeks in advance. And we try to have a date day at home, but to like actually go out and to have dinner. And, and man, it's so nice whenever you do that. Like, guys, I'm just throwing this out there for a little bit of relationship advice. Take your wife out for a date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the same thing is with prayer. We have to plan it out. I have to plan out the date nights with my wife. We should be planning out our prayer lives. I have to plan out pre-COVID when I went to the gym. I have not been to the gym since COVID hit, and I am feeling the effect of that in my life right now. So you guys can pray for me. But I knew if I didn't make it a priority to go to the gym, I would come up with some excuse to not go work out. How often do we come up with excuses to not pray? So number one, plan to pray. Number two, adopt practical ways to keep from drifting. Sometimes my mind is constantly racing. I lay down at night and, and my mind is just going 90 to nothing. I mean, just choo, 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 choo. And so I've learned that whenever I pray, I have to sit down and I either have my phone, not, not 
I always have my phone on do not disturb. If you call me, unless you're in my favorite list, Bishop Joe, I'm so sorry. Every time he calls me, I feel bad. It goes straight to voicemail, and then he calls again, and it goes straight to voicemail, and then he calls again, and it finally goes through, right? And then I'm usually in the other room, and I don't even see it, so I apologize. Um, I need to put you in my favorites category now. I think that that's what we've, we've come to, right? But it'll go to do not disturb. Put your phone on do not disturb. Like, and, and when you pray, here's what I've learned is I sometimes have a notebook by me to where if something as I'm praying, let's just say I'm praying for my family, right? And then, oh, I gotta pay this bill. Well, instead of thinking about paying the bill, I write down, pay, you know, national grid, pay our electric bill. And I just leave it there so I can get back to praying. Or, oh, I've gotta return this call. And so what it does is, it, is it's a practical way to keep your mind from drifting when you pray. Uh, the third one is prayer partners. Prayer partners. I love prayer partners. You guys know how to pray. I love pre-service prayer here. I mean, I just, I've, I feel the Holy Ghost and, and, and it's just, it's amazing. But like, if you don't pray with people, I want to challenge you to pray with people. I lead a community group on Tuesday nights and at, our, at our church, and every time we, we get towards the end, and I'm thinking, all right, we're about to wrap up, and then we get to the prayer section, and it's like, all right, what are the prayer requests? We, it always shifts, and it ends up being 30 minutes or so of prayer. People want prayer. People want prayer, and sometimes we just need to pick up the phone, and we need to call our mom, or we need to call our friend, and we need to say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. What can I pray for you with? What's going on in your life? How can I be praying for you? Well, I'm really experiencing this financial loss. Oh, that's great. Can we pray right now? They're not going to say no. And it's going to give you an opportunity to be the light of the world, to be, to be an example. Number, number four is develop a model or system. And there's multiple models or systems. You have the Axe model. Um, other people I know have used flashcards of, of, um, of like, here's a flashcard, and here's what I need to pray for my, with my family. Then they flip it, and then there's another one, and then there's another one. Um, me, I, I usually have a notebook, like I said, and I've got prayer requests or my prayer list in that notebook. So having a model or a system. Number five, get around people who pray. Intercession is a gift from God. I don't have the gift to sit there for two hours in interceding. But if I want to develop that spiritual um, gift and I want to have that rub off on me, I need to get in environments that might make me uncomfortable so that I can be exposed to something so that hopefully I can learn how to do something and I can sharpen that tool that God wants to give us. Get around people who pray. Maybe you don't like praying out loud or you're timid to pray out loud, man. I just wanna challenge you, like, get around people who pray out loud and then just try it. Like, that's where grace comes in. You're, if you mess up, it's like, all right, there's the grace of God. Let me just try it again and try it again and try it again and try it again. Number six, mingle praise, confession, and intercession together and tie it to Scripture. I think that th this is so important, and this is where doctrinal is so important, is if we're going to the, pray the will of our Heavenly Father to come down, we need to be praying the will of the Holy Scripture to also take place. We need to be constantly tying it back to scripture. I, I tell this to our church all the time, sometimes we need to preach to ourselves. Have you ever had those days where you just wake up and 
life is not good, you're not feeling great about anything, the kids are driving you nuts, the dog pooped on the floor. I mean, all of this is going on, and it's just like, oh, I don't want to do this. And you've got that another Zoom meeting coming up, and you've got a, a deadline for, for work, and then you get in front of the mirror. I don't know if you guys are like this, but I, I do this. I literally get there, or I get in my office, I shut the door, and I say, God, I need your help. Lord, your scripture says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Your scripture says that I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. God, right now, I need to get through this meeting, and so I need you to help me get through this meeting and that I would have a good attitude. Your, your word says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. God, I need your joy. And what happens is when you start speaking scripture over your life, you are getting connected, you being the phone, getting connected to the source of all life and allowing the signal of the Holy Spirit to start speaking to you. And you know what happens? You start to turn on and your perception starts to change. Your attitude starts to change. And then you go into that meeting and it, what started out as a horrible day, God is going to use that meeting or give you an opportunity to be the light of the world in that meeting through technology and Zoom. Now, does it always happen like that? No, but it does happen like that sometimes. And, and it's, again, going back to that opportunity. Number seven, if you're a leader, this is for you. Work on public prayers. We need leaders who are not ashamed and not afraid to pray. And then number eight, and this was actually, D.A. Carson stole this from the Puritans, pray until you pray. You ever been there? Ever been there? You just don't want to pray. Just sit down and just like, God, I just, <sighs> got so much. Coffee is so good, though. Guys, thank you. Just. Father, help me. God, my kids are just driving me nuts right now. I just need you to, mmm. But you stay there long enough and you start talking to God, your prayers are actually going to turn into prayers. It's just like whenever you don't feel like worshiping. And you read about Paul and Silas, right? They're in prison, and they're singing Trading My Sorrows while they're in prison. You know, like, come on, you're in prison, but you're going through hard points in your life, and you don't feel like doing something. Sometimes we've got to pray until we get to prayer. Sometimes we've got to worship until we actually start worshiping. Sometimes we've got to fake it until you start to make it. Right, And when you're faking it, going through the mundane, doing the same thing over and over and over, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, starts to do something. And what you thought was you just going through the motions is actually getting connected to the source. And then you start to see that prayer actually does move mountains, that worship actually does break chains, and things start taking place. And the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit is upon you, and God is moving in you and through you. But it takes consistency over and over and over and over and over. Going back to working out, man. We work out to, to pump iron and to get a nice six-pack and to get, you know, some big arms and stuff. Well, what do you think spiritually? We got to work out spiritually. We got to get on our face and we've got to cry out for God to move. Eugene Peterson says it like this, long, oh, discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. That's doing it over and over and over and over and over again. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. 
about, and this is about praise, prayer, intercession, kind of all intertwined right there. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and administering one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And I just want to read this. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so when James says in James chapter 5, verse 13, that when you're suffering, pray. When you're cheerful, rejoice. It literally means to rejoice and to pray and to keep God at the center of all things. Verse 14, if anyone is among you, if anyone among you is sick, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of our Lord. Man, I, I, gotta, I just got to say this. The local church, the local church is the vehicle that God uses to establish his kingdom in this earth. The local church, it is so, and I know you guys are here Sunday right now in the middle of a pandemic, we're in face masks, and um, so I know, that, I know you guys are Christians, I know y'all love Jesus, and, you know, and you're committed to Res Church, but I know so many people who claim to be a Christian and isolate themselves from the children, from the people of God. I know so many Christians who claim to be a Christian and want nothing to do with the church. I'm like, we're called to love God. We're called to love people. We are saved from hell, but saved into a family. We can't be in a family if we refuse to get connected to the family of God, a.k.a. the church. It's extremely important, extremely important for us to be in a local church submitted to local leadership under gospel-centered preaching in gospel-centered community with a, a strong elder team and strong leadership in place it is beneficial to yours and to my spiritual maturity. Bottom line, we need it. And you know what happens? Is whenever someone gets sick, they can then go to the elders. And the elders can gather around them. We have a guy in our church. He's actually uh, from Brooklyn. His name's Kadeem. Great guy. Love him to death. And a few years ago, he used to play bass in our church. And he was, um, he was up there playing bass and uh, I noticed he started missing some notes, and I'm like, man, is he just not practicing? And so we, we kind of came on to him. It's like, Kadeem, you really got to be practicing. And he's like, I am practicing. And then one Sunday, he, he got up, and, and he was about to walk off the stage, and he almost collapsed as he was coming off stage. And Nathan, who's, who's with me today, and I'm, I'm getting up, ready to preach, and I'm like, God is moving. He's doing great things, and, you know, we're going to see him do it again. And, you know, I'm getting all you know, preachy and stuff, and Kadeem's literally about to fall off the stage, and Nate jumps up and, and helps him down the stage. I'm like, man, what is going on? It was at that moment that we knew something was going on in his life. A few weeks later, Kadeem lost his job. Two weeks after that, they found out that they were pregnant, him and his wife, with their second child. A month after that, he was diagnosed with MS. And I saw this kid go from being joyful, talented, to just having everything stripped away. But man, his faith. And you know what our church did? Our church was able to gather around him and to pray for him. 
our church was able to be a gospel-centered community and to help them out financially. We were able to go over there and help fix up their house, which I just gotta throw this. He lost his job, they got pregnant with their second child, he got diagnosed with MS, and somehow in the middle of all of that, God blessed them with their own home. Like, I just wanna throw that out there. Is Kadeem healed today? No. Are we praying for him? Absolutely. Do we want God to move through his life and completely heal him as a testimony? Absolutely. And I also got to say this. Let me, let me just read verses 15. And if the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. All right, so I got to say this, because we've been praying for Kadeem to be healed, but he hasn't been healed right in a physical sense. A lack of healing does not mean a lack of faith. And this is something, this is, this is a ideology that's crept up in the Christian church, the American church, that if you're not healed, you just, you just don't have any, you just don't have enough faith. I'm pretty sure that every person Jesus healed in the Bible eventually ended up dying. And, and the reason I say that is because so many people beat themselves up if they're not healed. Healed. Here's the thing, we are promised eternal healing. And so I want to give you just two quick stories, real quick. Um, number one is, is a healing that did take place, and that was with me at 17 years old, went on a missions trip to, um, to Padres, Coahuila, Mexico. If I butchered that, please forgive me. And while I was there, I fell off of a cliff about 50 feet, um, hit a boulder coming down. My right femur, my right kneecap came up, crushed my jaw, so this face that you see, it was not my original face. It's plastic surgery. I kid you not. I swear to you. Um, but I broke both of my legs, both my arms, fractured my skull, crushed my jaw, fractured my hip, had internal bleeding, and then the worst thing of it all is they were like, I think you lost all your teeth. Thank God I didn't, I only lost a few. But five and a half weeks after my accident in Mexico, I get, I'm back in the States now, I'm back at home, Five and a half weeks, a group of people were like, hey, you're going to come to camp. At this time, I'm now 18 years old. And I'm like, I don't want to go to camp. I'm, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't do anything. People have to put me in the bed. It was just horrible. And I was like, all right, I, I guess I'll go. You guys have to put up with this. It's pretty, pretty, I'm pretty pathetic right now. And I get to this camp, and I got into the right environment. And people started praying for me at this camp. And on the third night of this camp, the whole youth ministry, around 90 kids, they gathered around and they're praying for my healing and stuff. And I just hear this still small voice in my head that said, Michael, it's time to get up. Just like Jesus called out to Lazarus, hey, it's time for you to come out of that grave. And I was like, all right. And so I literally stood up at this youth camp. Doctor told me it'd be 12 weeks before I can stand up again. We're now at five and a half weeks, all right? I literally stand up at this youth camp. By the end of the night, I was down at the altar, jumping up and down with everybody else. And the doctor told me that I couldn't walk. Here, here's, here's my point with that. That's a physical healing that took place for the glory of God. My father, on the other hand, got diagnosed with this rare lung disorder that came from a parasite in China. I kid you not, CDC was involved. It attacked his lungs. We cried out for his healing and he didn't get healed. But he did receive an eternal healing because a month before he passed away, he accepted Jesus Christ. He called up his family. He started healing people. He started doing all those things. And so when it says, 
when it says, I want you to gather the elders around and I want you to pray for the sick and the prayer of the faithful will be heard and they will be healed. I don't know if that is, I don't understand why God heals some people on this earth and, and other people in eternal um, heaven. I don't, I don't get it. All I know though is God is sovereign and our heart and our attitude and our posture should be to get connected to him. He goes on in verse 16. I promise you guys I'm starting to wrap this up. He goes on in verse 16, and he says this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Confession, repentance. Confession, repentance. I was reading a study by the American Scientific uh, Institute of Journalism that in 2019, they surveyed a group of around 1,000 people and they found out that the average American has 13 secrets in their life. 13 secrets. Are you walking around with those secrets? Are you walking around with unconfessed sin? You know, sin is, sin is like a, it's like a baby tiger. Some of y'all watch Tiger King, I'm sure. Don't talk about it at church. Wait till afterwards. But have you ever seen a baby tiger, cub? They're cute. And they're fluffy. And they're like all, like they, you know, they purr and, and you know, they're fun to play with. And they'll nibble at you a little bit. But what happens is if you don't get rid of that tiger, that tiger's going to start to mature. And it's going to grow from being a cub to being a teenager and then go from being a teenager to being a full-grown adult tiger. And last time I checked, as friendly as tigers may be sometimes to humans, especially if they grow up around humans, they still lash out and they still kill. And there are men and there are women in this room right now who you are playing around with sin You're playing around with stuff that you've been hiding from your spouse. You're playing around with stuff that you just keep sweeping under the rug and not wanting to deal with. And Jesus today is wanting you to take that tiger or to take that sin and wanting to slaughter it so that you can be set free from your brokenness, so that you can be set free from your sin, so that you can be set free from the very thing that you're not wanting people to hear about. Can I just say it is the mercy of God that exposes your sin? It is the mercy of God. We may not like it. I don't like it. When my wife comes up to me and she's like, honey, we got to talk. And I'm like, baby, what's up? And she's like, no, this ain't one of those talks. This is a serious talk. I'm like, all right, start praying in tongues and stuff. But she does that because she loves me and she cares for me. And so many of us, we're playing around with sin, and we just keep it hidden. We just keep it in the closet. And God's love and his mercy and his grace is here today telling you, I'm here, and I want you to rip that thing out, and I want you to be set free from it. What does it involve? It involves confession and repentance. Nate Westfall, he's over here on the second row. He's got the man bun. He thinks he's really cool, and he kind of is, all right? But Nate Westfall is one of those guys that men I can go to and I can divulge everything to. And you need that in your life. 
Women, you need to find women of God in your life that you can go to and you can divulge everything to. And you know what? They're not going to condemn you, but they're going to hold you accountable. They're going to call you higher. They're going to they're gonna pull the gold that is inside of you, and they're going to say, this is who God created you to be. You need to walk in the fullness of God. But it starts from a place, a gospel-centered community being focused on prayer and intercession when you're rejoicing, prayer and intercession when you're suffering, prayer and intercession whenever you are sick, prayer and intercession when you've got undealt junk in your life that God's wanting to get rid of. Look, if you're sitting here and you're saying like, Michael, I, don't, I, I just, you know, I don't know about this. It's, like, can I just, I'm, I got, I'm just going to go off my notes. I'm sorry. I hope that that's okay. Rich young ruler, Jesus shows up, and the rich young ruler says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, I want you, to, first off, I need to throw this out there. Jesus invites him to follow him, which he only did to his disciples. And they start having this conversation, what must I do to, to, to be saved? What must I do to follow you? And he says, I want you to take everything that you have, and I want you to sell it and get rid of it. And he's like, I don't think I can do that. I mean, I just, what am I going to do? I've got all this money. And do you realize that that very guy that Jesus invited to follow him would have been the 13th disciple? And Jesus' response was, this one thing I have against you. See, so many of us, we think that God wants to deal with everything he does, but maybe today he's just wanting to deal with that one thing. Maybe he's wanting to deal with that one secret that you keep hiding. Maybe he's wanting to deal with that one sin that you don't want to tell anybody about. Maybe he's dealing with that one thing that you keep hiding from your wife because you're worried about how she's going to respond. Man, I'm here to tell you, expose it to the light. Get healing, call the elders, get in community, and start walking in your freedom and walk in your deliverance. If you don't do that, then the cross of Jesus Christ is in vain. And I close with this. I close with this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah was a man like us. So what is it that Elijah had that I don't? I mean, Elijah served the same God that I do. I think it was just Elijah was in constant communion with God. And I genuinely believe that God is calling his church right now to a place of constant communion with him to where just like the iPhone, we are constantly connected to that source. We are constantly connected to the power, the word of God. Man, I see a church that is rising up with great might and with great power. I see a church that is standing up for righteousness and justice and calling sin what sin is. I see a church that brings healing and restoration to marriages. I see a church that is going to lead a nation to a place of repentance. I see a church, and Michael, you, you, you might be saying, Michael, that's really good, but look at me. Man, Elijah was a man just like us, and God used him to call fire down on the altar. God used him to, to keep 
keep it from raining. God used it. I was studying last night, just reviewing my notes, and I just, just, I promise you, I'm closing with this. I'm closing with this. 16 miracles. Number one, causing the rain to cease. Number two, being fed by the ravens. Number three, a miracle of the barrel in the mill and the cursed oil. Uh, number four, the resurrection of the widow's son. Elijah was a man like us. Some of you, you need to speak to things that are dead in your life, and you need to call them to come alive again. Uh, um, calling the fire from heaven. Woo, I love that. Could you just imagine which God's greater? Here, let me just show you which God's greater. Fire. Boom. And it burns up the wickedness of this world. Prophecy of Ahab's son. Prophecy that Jezebel would be eaten by the dog. They don't teach you that in Sunday school. Prophecy that Isaiah would die from illness. Um, calling fire from heaven upon the first 50 soldiers. Calling fire from God um, uh, for, for the second 50 soldiers. Parting of the Jordan. The prophecy that Elijah should have a double portion. And I love this. Being called up in heaven by a whirlwind. I believe that this is the faith that God is calling the church of 2020 back to a day. A, a faith that is so genuine. A faith that believes that God can do what he says he could. A faith that will grab the word of God and will declare it boldly to the people of this world. That will live and believe and that will pray for God to do what only God can do. Church, are you with me today? Can we see that faith rise up? Will you stand to your feet this morning? Will you stand to your feet? Come on, I just want you to just lift it up right now. Let's just start calling out to him. Father God, we just thank you that you are raising up your church right now. Father, we just thank you that you are not done with your church, that this is going to be the finest hour for the body of Christ. Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus, the fire of heaven to fall in this room right now, for you to consume us with your presence, for miracles to start happen, for repentance to take place, God, for you to move like never before in Resurrection Church, in Brooklyn, in Staten Island, in New York State, God, and then in the United States of America. Father, let it breathe. Let it move. Let your word go forth. And it is in the authority and in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray this unified as one church. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.